Welcome to this latest edition of PLU Podcast. I'm Thomas Kyle Millwood from the University's Marketing and Communications Department, and I'll be your host today. Hello, folks. I'm sitting down today with Willie Stewart, an icon here in Tacoma for his almost 40 years of service as a teacher and administrator and the 2019 recipient of the Greater Tacoma Peace Prize. Thanks so much for being here today, Mr. Stewart. Well, thank you for having me. It's an honor. Congratulations on being selected as this year's laureate. What does it mean to you to be recognized like this after a lifetime dedicated to making your community a better place? It's, I'm almost speechless in terms of how to express it or what words to use, but I'm truly elated, and I feel that uh, there are others who might be more deserving, but openly I'm just excited to have been selected. And I hope to carry that banner of responsibility in the past history and the future as I've done in the past. Uh, you have a, a pretty sterling record as an educator that we'll get to in a little bit here. But first of all, I was wondering if you could share with us uh, how you got into teaching as a career path. First of all, I was raised in a, in a small southern town of Columbus, Texas, in a totally segregated situation. And as I looked around at that community, there were only three jobs that I could see African-Americans were able to have professionally. A, a minister, a teacher, or an undertaker. And then based upon those three options, I felt the future for me would be either in the ministry or in teaching. And upon completion of my work in 1957 at Texas Southern University, I began my teaching career with the person who was also my hometown minister, but also a principal of a community 60 miles away. And so I began my teaching career with him in Yoakum, Texas, where I served for one year from 57 to 58. And then I separated uh, from teaching to respond to Uncle Sam. And I served two years of active duty out at Fort Lewis, Washington. So at the end of my two years, I had to reevaluate myself and all I had was this preparation really for teaching. I didn't see many African-Americans doing other jobs, and my love was for being with young people. And it was out of that I was able to continue my career in teaching in Tacoma in 1960, and the rest is history. Let's speak about that history a little bit. Uh, you mentioned growing up in segregation, mm-hmm. and you received this award in part for being a practitioner of racial reconciliation. You began your teaching career a few years before the 1964 Civil Rights Act, and you became the first African-American principal in Tacoma's history in 1970. What did that work of racial reconciliation look like during that time period of desegregation, and what were your greatest challenges? Yeah, I I think the biggest challenge was lack of education, the lack of understanding, and person not being aware that the pigmentation of the skin has nothing to do with the individual, but that was that perception that there was inferiority, that was perception of prone to crime, perception that they were just weaker than any other group and indifferent. But here in Tacoma, thanks to the leadership of the late Dr. Angelo Giardroni, who made the decision that we would deal with de facto segregation, and that is moving students from totally Macarver, which was basically the one place uh, where, all the, where it was, and Central couple other schools, and he placed the students all over the place. And I was selected as the administrator at that time to manage that process. And uh, it was one of person being apprehensive, not understanding. But the moment it was in place, once school began, 
and we had a few feathers to ruffle. But one of the things that I did, in, especially in the relationship at Galt, as it dealt with it, I would often ride the bus. Uh, I would meet the, I would go to the location where the buses were starting. I would ride the bus to school, and then someone else would pick me up, take me back to my car. And uh, once the kids got got involved, and the parents stayed out of it, everything went real well. And I feel that uh, integration is the only way in which America can be America. And unfortunately, here we're in 2019, uh, if you look across the nation, we are more seg- we're almost as much segregated today as we were in 1964, in that period of time before that. But it was one of uh, wonderful opportunities for communication, and therefore I would say Tacoma is really light years above, uh, ahead of a lot of other places, even including Seattle. But also somehow it had to do with the size of the population too. And since also since this is heavily a military community, uh, many of the people who moved into the community had had that positive experience and relationship with others, so it made the transition real easy. The Pacific Northwest and, and Washington in particular thinks highly of itself as a, a state pretty well ahead of other states in the Union when it comes to race and being progressive. And often that just wasn't the case if you look back through our history. What was it like being an African-American man in Tacoma in the 60s and 70s? And specifically, what was it like being the first African-American to be a principal in the Tacoma School District? Well, the anxiety, first of all, was in the black community, really feeling that this is real. Uh, I never envisioned a day that this would happen. We've been able to have many jobs, but never the level of uh, a school administration. And so it was uh, focused on me in terms of that I wanted to make sure that I would set a good example, being the first person in that. So that would be the, the pathway for others to, to have that experience. And it was unique. Uh, even with my colleagues, they, they didn't quite understand, and they wanted to know uh, why was I selected versus someone else. But the, uh, the fortunate thing about Tacoma, in every environment that I was in, there was always someone who thoroughly understand the meaning of this. You know, and I look back at the people I had to work with, like a Sandy Mose, who is now about 92, who recognized the big picture. And here's a person who was raised his entire life in Tacoma with an Italian background of vision. And the late Angelo Giorgione is a superintendent who felt that. So there was always that person to pick you up if you felt lonely. And they were the pioneers. It wasn't just Willie Stewart alone. There was the whole system. We had school board members who intervened and became, and you had a person like Mike Sterbrick, who was an attorney, who understood the big picture, Jim Bowles, who was an insurance man, who worked with many persons. So it was a matter of that first step, and with they had the confidence that I would not be a disappointment, it, even though it was a challenge, but the pathway was easier for me to move, move around. What was your relationship like with students as sort of that, that pioneer? That, that was the greatest thing in the world. I, I still say everything I've accomplished because of the behavior of the students and how they accepted me and how they allowed me to be a part of their lives. Uh, I, I extended myself to them to be a part of the activities, to try to have an understanding of them, and I spent time with them. I was a part of them. I would ride the buses with them. I would visit with them in the lunchroom. I would visit with them in the hallway. I would go into their classrooms. And that was full acceptance. I would be that cheerleader for their events. 
And out of that, the students elevated me to a level that was unbelievable. And even the record, the person, the two people who wrote the recommendation for me to have this Port Laureate were students from the class of 1972 at Lincoln High School, which was a testimony on how they felt about me. In fact, one of the most exciting moments at Lincoln High School when the underground group of about eight white students asked to have a session with me, and they came into the office, and I was really on my pins and needles wondering what it was all about. And they came in to just say, I want to appreciate your leadership here at Lincoln High School. I've observed one thing, that you love us all. You care about all of us. You don't, you don't see the pigmentation of the skin. You don't see the gender. You see as a student. And we really appreciate you. We appreciate that leadership. And uh, I'm grateful that it happened. You mentioned riding the bus. Uh, busing has come up in political debates recently. Does that drag up memories, good or bad, for you? It brings up negative part of it simply because the busing issue today was different from the busing issue 50 years ago. The busing issue 50 years ago because it was segregated housing. And the only way you could have the integrated schools if you went to the neighborhood concept was through the busing system. But what we have discovered now, later, is that we, we have returned to that because of the price of housing and people moving to suburbia with a high rate and with the blacks still being at a lower level of income, they cannot move about. And consequently, there's a desire for schools to be more integrated. However, one of the things I really firmly believe that if you would have quality instruction, quality leadership, quality buildings, that there would not be that urgency to be concerned about staying within the neighborhood. Because you see, what's important is what is at the end of the bus ride? What is the end of the day when you get to the building? And I think that we have allowed ourselves to regress to some degree with the attitude. Over the past 50 years, what are the ways that you've seen us make progress and what are the ways you've seen us take a step back? The great forward way has been the, the number of leadership positions that have been available. For example, uh, all across the city of Tacoma and University Place and, and Franklin Pierce, you, you see leadership of persons of color, you, specifically African-American as well as other ethnic groups. Something else see, that came along with this, what people didn't talk about, you didn't have women in invisible positions at that time. So I've seen the progression of both, uh, the inclusion of persons of color, the movement of females. Now, on the other hand, what I have seen in a negative way, if you want to call that, is not been the true picture of salaries for the gender. However, in a school setting, you're protected because of unions, and you go by the number of hours and the amount of experience. So you have less of that. But what might be a concern about among administrators is who get to the different levels. There are levels within the ranks, and that sometimes might be a question. But just look at Pierce County, Tacoma right now. African-Americans have to be cautious before they try to complain. This, the mayor of our city is African-American. The fire chief is an African-American. The person who leads the United Way is African-American. The uh, president of Tacoma Community College is African-American. The number two person in Bates Technical College is an African-American. The campus at, at Puyallup, for the part of Stillicum, is, uh, is an African-American. So they're in those positions. And uh, so if you're going by visibility and positions, you cannot complain. And go to one school that was the last one to receive black students, was Wilson High School in Tacoma. They have a black female principal leading the group. 
So it's been a tremendous amount of, uh, of uh, progress, and I've seen it. Now, I would probably be more concerned about mid-level jobs and also getting into certain industrial jobs. And I have seen a growth, for example, for a long time. You did not find African-Americans in many of the unions. That has changed, you know, so you have them there. Probably the biggest challenge that's facing the, the African-American community now is that inability to deal with the opioid and drug problems that are getting the kids in a state of mind that they can't appreciate all these other opportunities they have. So there's a new, as a, there's a new challenge that's facing the African-American community for inclusion. And that's the distraction that keeps them away from getting, getting to the mainstream. Switching gears a little bit here, you graduated with your master's in education from PLU in 1969. Uh, what do you remember about your time here at this university? What I remember at the time, it was the, most of my classes took place during the summer. However, there were some during the fall. But what I appreciated most of all, in the master's program, training to be a principal, I had a chance to be involved with many of the students who ended up getting jobs across Pierce County. And so when we all got into administrative position, I had that linkage. And I think that developed from the close bond and relationship that was fostered here at PLU. And so I was very fond of my time here. And I just loved it because they reached out. And I think this is one institution that has walked its talk. They don't just say we believe in it, but it's been firmly inclusion. And thanks to the uh, former president, Gene Wigman, uh, who's one of the pioneers as a president to really get it going. The others have followed through. So I'm fond of remember PLU and appreciate the work of the late Frost Western, who extended PLU into the lives of the kids in Salishan and other areas. So far as I'm concerned, PLU has been a front runner in this business of race relations and reaching out to help the community. Do you uh, stay in contact with PLU in any sort of way? Yes. In fact, I'm on the advisory committee for the nursing program actively. But many years I served in other capacities and also a religious donor to some degree each year. And i very passionate about this campus. So, yes, I can almost tell you everything about PLU except that I missed out on this building. But all the, <laughs> but all the rest, all the time. That sort of community work has been something that you've done for a very, very long time. What drives you to continue being such an active member of the Tacoma community? Because I, I have been honored to be in many positions, and I consider that a privilege that I've had. Therefore, I felt as if I was compelled to share my skills, my talents, my interests with others. And when I chose the Boys and Girls Club as an example, that's a delight to see these kids when I can bring professionals to that. We do a mentoring workshop every month and an opportunity for them to see professionals. We try to use it as a, as, a, as a step to show them that you can be anything you want to be because of a variety of things. I get involved with the Kiwanis Club of Community because it's a service group. It provides an opportunity for us to sponsor kids in the high schools. And I'm excited about that. I can be associated with the Lincoln Key Club. Uh, and watch these young people, direct them into volunteerism, because that's what it's all about. Then I, one of the highlights of, of, of my life is Palmer Scholars. Palmer Scholars is a group where one man, who was a graduate of PLU, by the way, in the early 40s, who, who invested his life into making sure students of color with a certain baseline of income will be provided an opportunity 
to get in higher education. And I'm proud that PLU has been the recipient of many of those students, along with the University of Puget Sound, Washington State, Eastern Washington, Central Washington, Western Washington, and vocational schools, too, depending upon their interests. In 2001, with the support from Carl Anderson from Concrete Tech, we started the Willis Stewart Community Scholarship, which was geared for one purpose, independent of who the kid is, has nothing to do with color. It was based upon a willingness to get certified volunteer hours in the community. See, the future of this community, it will not be on paid salaries, but it's on volunteerism. And I'm happy after 20 years, we're still able to distribute twenty dollars to $25,000 a year to scholarships. And these are young people we have found who reach out to help others and get involved here. They're not only just volunteering, but they're also great students. And to me, that's what's important. And, and those are the kind of things that really move me. I've been involved with the Boys and Girls Club since 1971. And we have a program of the Leg- Legacy of Hope. And the thrill I get out of that is the fact that even though it's a fundraiser for the organization, but my Alpha Phi Alpha fraternity group, we sponsor a table where we can bring young people only so they can see what a, what a formal dinner is like, so they can develop their common mannerisms on how to hold a fork, how to hold a knife, how to eat in public. Because many of these kids come from an environment where there's not been that home environment that promoted that. The homeless breakfast at Urban Grace Church that I've been involved with since 1995 and been able to mobilize a different team each week to come and serve. And yet, a part of that team, we have one husband and wife, Tom and Jewel Holt, not even involved with the church, but they saw it as a community need. And they come every Sunday, he prepares the grits, and she runs the toast. And they love it, because they can see the need, they see that the, on the faces of the people. And when you have these kind of experiences, you, you automatically compel to reach out to be engaged, and to be involved, and it makes a difference. A couple of other highlights is the fact that through our Kiwanis Club, we have what we call Terrific Kids, and we have a program at Whitman, at nine schools, but I go to two of them, Whitman and Grant, and give out these certificates who are recommended by the principal and administration. And to see the smile on their faces, I give them a little uh, shake. Then sometimes in the community, they'll see me, and they'll talk to their parents. There's Mr. Texas. So even though I'm Willie Stewart, I'm very fortunately known as the Texan. And so I let them know that if you can't remember Willie Stewart, just remember Texas. And they do that. And it's fun and exciting. So I get excited when you talk about volunteerism. I, I heard a rumor that you wear cowboy boots. I did not check to see if you were wearing them today. <laughs> but you're known for your cowboy boots, apparently. Very much so. But I didn't know whether this room would be large enough for my boots, so I didn't wear them today. <laughs> Everything's bigger in Texas. Right. No, that was one of the great things. In fact, in my office during the whole 18 years in human resources at Tacoma Schools, you walk into my office, you saw a Texas flag, you saw a Texas map, you saw boots, you saw cats. And really, it was not so much of my love for Texas, but I found that was a way to separate myself from others and who they knew I was. And it worked. What would you say, what words would you have for PLU students today who are interested in going into teaching. Yeah. I would let them know that they could go into a more noble profession. They would also encounter many students who have great needs. They will also find a rewarding opportunity that they can have a variety of experiences in teaching. I will let them know that they no longer have to worry about the salaries. They're becoming very competitive. And also, 
in education, even though dollars are important, but it's just almost an, it's almost like a religious ministry because you cannot count your rewards on the basis of the dollars at the month. You have to count on the basis of those smiles and those students' faces and what they mean to you. And I, and I would suggest seek out that opportunity. And I also encourage, if you do your, when you do your student teaching, ask for an assignment in schools where that would be the most challenging so you can gain a greater appreciation for what teaching is really about and what it's like. And whether we appreciate, understand or not, all metropolitan areas across the country are going to have a greater challenges than the suburban communities. That's America. We're not going to change that. But we can change is the quality and the love of education that we can give to those students, regardless of where they are. So what, I guess, what is next for you? You've, you've clearly shown no desire to stop your hard work. What, what, what is the project you're working on or the next frontier for you? I don't think I have a next frontier. I just want to be deeper into what I'm, existing, what I'm doing now. I want to just, uh, I, I pretty much maxed out in terms of doing things. Primarily, too, I'm 83 years of age. And secondly, my wife has Parkinson, and she's been in, in a retirement uh, assisted living for the last two years. And so it's not only about 10 minutes from the house, so I spend time there. So I'm probably trying to not wind down but also just try to keep the pace that I am now. I don't think I have enough energy to do more. Here at PLU, we strive to educate students for lives of thoughtful inquiry, service, leadership, and care. Essentially, we're trying to create more Willie Stewart, so continue being that inspiration. Well, thank you. Circling back to the Greater Tacoma Peace Prize, part of that award entails taking you to Norway. I think we're the only city in the United States giving this award that takes our laureate to Norway for the ceremony. Are you looking forward to that? And what are you looking forward to most about your time in Norway? Well, first of all, I'm excited about going there. And what I'm looking forward to is to try to gain as much knowledge of Oslo as possible, specifically in areas such as, I have an interest in visiting a secondary school, an interest in an elementary school, an interest in just a short time at a college or university. But also I'd like to see a Kiwanis club. I also have an interest in going into where all of the Oslo cannot be upper class. So I want to see the other level of persons uh, that maybe not necessarily indigenous, but those who have some greater needs. And in preparation for this, I've been told that I would get an opportunity to visit the Somalian community there. And that would be an opportunity to see some different part of uh, Norway. And I'm interested in just seeing the buildings and more. Very excited about the being a part of seeing that ceremony uh, where, where it takes place in terms of the award of the, uh, the Nobel Prize. And I'm hopeful in the process that not by plan, because they don't plan it, but might be an opportunity for the king and queen to come by. (laughs) So there are all kinds of things that I'm hoping will happen. But but they've pretty much planned the trip for me. I leave December 3rd, return December 12th. And so there are several other things that the group here, the Peace Prize group in in Tacoma, has asked me to visit. And I'm I'm, uh, looking forward to that. We're scheduled, I'm scheduled also to have a, a host uh, there, so that will also give me some support and guidance. Then I have a friend uh, who's 89 years of age, retired principal out of Seattle that's going to go with me. And we met back in the early 60s when I had one of his students as a student. 
last year's recipient of this award was PLU's own Melanie Denise Cunningham. Do you know her and have you worked with her before? Very well. In fact, she and I are both on the the Graduate Tacoma Board, and we were together last week. And in fact, we took a picture together showing the Peace Prize from last year and the one selected for this year. And I'm very familiar with her activities and and the work that she's done at PLU as she's tried to work toward creating a more heterogeneous community here at PLU ethnically. You've mentioned a couple times during this interview encountering in your post-teaching professional life people that you taught. What does it mean to you to be in a community where you can see the fruits of your work on a regular basis? Well, I tell you, it's nothing more rewarding. In fact, every year... I'm invited to reunions from the Lincoln class. For 2019, I'll be with the Lincoln class of 74, 45 years ago. I'm going to also be with the class of 79, 40 years ago. Now, even though I left Lincoln in 78, the cat students poured down ahead of them for two years, you see. So they want me there as their principal. Oh, yes, uh, just two weeks ago, I get a phone call from one of my former students at I want you to come to a special event that uh, we're going to call it a race relations event. It was on a Sunday afternoon, and, and so I went, and he was hosting four Chinese professors who were here at PLU and others with second language. And they were elated to meet me because when they said I was from Lincoln High School, they said, we just visited school. Our president visited school two years ago. That excites me. At this same event, while I'm sitting there, Another young man walks in, and we immediately hug each other. I had him all through junior high. It, 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 it just means so much. I go into Costless uh, Pharmacy in Fircrest, and the, and the co-owner there lets everyone know my principal is in the building. So the fact that they recognize me, and it, it makes me feel it's, it's really good. And this happens all over because I've stayed in the community, involved with the community, it makes a difference. One of the real highlights, uh, two of them, with the Kiwanis Club, Steve Matson, who is the number one person with Washington Dairy Farmers, graduate of 1976 at Lincoln High School. I called him up, said, I'd like you to come speak to my Kiwanis Club. Just left a message. All at once, I get this phone call. He said, I want to come. I'm elated about that. And, and that was a, that's the reward of knowing that some great things happen, and that makes me really feel good. So you're from Texas. You're proud of your Texan roots. What made you want to stay in Tacoma once you'd made it out here? First, it was because of the educational opportunities, the economic opportunities, and the opportunities to be really engaged in the community. And I didn't envision that happening in Texas. What made you want to transition from the classroom to more of an administrative role? What was your motivation there? To be honest with you, I was asked. And, and then as a, you asked that question, I was asked to, to be an assistant principal at Galt. And so then I, at that point, I knew that there was an interest, so I started my process for my credentials. Then after I was at Galt, I was asked to go to Lincoln High School for one year to replace another person who was leaving to go to his doctorate at WSU. And at the end of that first year as an assistant principal at Lincoln, the principal at that time, Edroy Wolseth, who's also a PLU man, told the superintendent that he felt that Willie Stewart was a better candidate to lead that school than he was. So the fact they appointed me to the principalship without telling me. I was away on active duty with the reserves. And I came back, and that was. What it actually did, it just gave me a, a bigger arena to operate in than in the classroom. 
And so whereas in my classroom, I had the control of one teacher by myself in one classroom. And the others, I had an opportunity to relate more to a larger number of administrators and a larger number of students, spreading goodwill. What do you want your legacy to be remembered as? One of community service, one who is more concerned about others than himself, others above myself. That's the only thing I really want. At PLU, we put a lot of stock in our students finding their vocation during their time here and, and following that path of vocation as it changes throughout their lives. How would you describe your vocation? I would describe it as one that has been able to find little niches that allow me to use my skills. For example, I have a high interest in athletics. And so I've been able to function through the Tacoma Athletic Commission to be the chairman of the recognition ceremony where we honor students at the end of each sporting season. I've been associated with the Shannonman Museum, which allows us to preserve the history of sports in the community. That developed really from my, my school contact because, unfortunately, I have found that persons are more responsive to acceptance of each other in sports than I've seen in other educational circles. Somehow it breaks down the barriers. Steve Matson, one of the things about him, when he left Lincoln in 76 and enrolled at the University of Washington in a basketball program, there were three or four Caucasians on the team who had grown up in suburban schools of Portland. And there were several African-Americans on the basketball team. And they approached Steve about, how is it so easy for you to relate to everybody on the team? He said, that was my life. I was in a multicultural school. I was in a multi-relationship thing. So that's all I know. And so sometimes you're a product of what your experiences are, the environment which you're in. So it seemed like that allowed me to have my niche. You mentioned sports as, as a breaker of barriers. Did you feel like your military experience, that was the case as well? Yes. In fact, I had a very unusual military experience in a very positive way. And in fact, when I was inducted into the military in 1958, my first assignment was an was infantry unit at Fort Lewis, Washington. And we did our basic training there. And 300 of us were there, with most of them from your southern states. And even the leadership was not only from the southern states, but many of them had just a little level above high school education. And several of them did not, because at that time, Education was not a higher priority for inclusion into the military. It was a draft situation. And it was out of that environment that I developed a close relationship with the group and understanding because that was my first experience of being in a classroom, of being in an environment with someone who didn't look like me. And it was out of that I went through the challenges of being disrespected to being respected with, with endurance. My greater experience of it was with the Army Reserves. I was at E-5 with the late Charles P. Larson at the 350 General Hospital. I was commissioned by his request as a reserve officer in 1963. And some of the white officers didn't really like that. And one of them even left the unit because of that. But in that process, I had a chance to show who I was with love and caring, but more important, with competence. And it made the difference. And in that process, you had to develop it by rank. I had the privilege of uh, my last uh, eight years being the second in command of the 50th General Army Hospital with 1,000 bed, 
all the leadership of physicians, and one of them being the late Gordy Clatt, who started the Relay for Life uh, for this entire world and nation. And so that's been a rich part of my experience with a variety of persons. And so in our unit, we, in fact, we had three or four PLU nurses uh, in our reserve unit. Even the, the person who was chief nurse at that time, Dorothy Tollison, who was on, on the staff. She later married and became Dorothy Cohn. So yes, uh, that, that was very rich, that experience. So when you put the schools together, you put the reserves together, you bring all these elements together, so you grow. It's funny that you mentioned PLU nurses being a part of that as well. It seems like you can scratch this up as pretty much anywhere in Tacoma and find a PLU grad somewhere. That's correct. And in fact, many of the, other, the officers were with me beyond the nurses were from graduate of PLU. In fact, Haugi, whose father was the dean here at PLU at one time, his son was in with me. Perry, who used to be in this office, uh, he was the relations office, he's deceased now, was in this office, was in the reserve with me. So, so many PLU persons. And I also had an opportunity to meet many of the physicians from PLU late in life through the, the locations, yeah. But the former president of PLU was one of the physicians. And several of the, the Lutheran ministers. See, this is a Lutheran town. <laughs> for sure, for sure. Yeah. Has there anything that I have not mentioned that you'd like to talk about? You've pretty much covered everything I can think of. However, I would just like the person to open their eyes and find something that's comfortable with them. Don't just jump at something. Evaluate. Really try to get acquainted with the community and the environment and find out something that you can have a passion for. And once you have that passion for something, it's easy to volunteer. But also have to remember, the first thing that's most important you have to do is to perform at the highest level that job but pays your rent. <laughs> then the rest is gravest. Because, you see, if you allow yourself to get overwhelmed with something outside of what your main purpose is in life, then you, you, you're not a winner. And, and I just, and I want to say this. Uh, what I really want you to know, I was so fortunate to be in a work environment where my coworkers also encouraged and supported that. I mean, I was able to be away for every Tuesday to go to Kiwanis at noon in all of my jobs, and they understood, allowed that. Well, the Boys and Girls Club took place early in the morning, so I didn't jump away from any of my responsibilities. I just found time to manage it and got to be committed to it. And also, with everything else, you need to be willing to say thank you to the universities or the places that have allowed you to have a comfortable life. That's by being a generous donator, donor to the institution or the groups that meant so much to you. You have to be a given person, not just of your time, but also of your finances. And, I, and my revolving theme is always what my mother said, was the golden rule, do unto others as you will have them to do unto you. And when I get a paycheck, the first portion is to the God whom I serve, and then I take care of the other organizations. Inspiring words. Let's just do it. Thanks so much for sitting down with me today. Really appreciate it. Thank you. It was a joy. Mm-hmm.